You're listening to the 405 Exchange Podcast. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and today's episode is with Youngblood. Trust me when I say you've never met someone like Dominic Harrison before. He's a wild card of a human being, constantly erratic both on stage and off. Yet, there's a true empowering sense of honesty to Harrison and his Youngblood project that I'm not even sure he even realizes yet. The music is both all over the place and yet clearly professionally considered. The shining grace of the music is how Harrison uses wordplay, his inability to be anything but himself, and the strong conviction behind his beliefs. What are those beliefs? Who exactly is Youngblood? Well, you'll have to listen to the podcast to find out. This is the 405 Exchange with Youngblood. Enjoy. So t- I'm curious, after seeing you perform the way you did last night, I wonder if you've ever seen a live show that stuck with you and made you go like, I want to do that. 100% man, I was like, to be honest, I grew up like watching shows online, like, I grew up watching like Mick Jagger, Freddie Mercury, Kurt Cobain, online, real front men that, that, as soon as they stepped out onto stage, it was a performance. You know, it was like literally they could hold the audience in the palm of, a ha- of their hand. I remember being really young and going to see The Who. And Roger Daltrey is one of the one of the greats, isn't he? And I remember like just watching him on there and the screams and just the way he held the audience was just insane. Just how fundamentally himself he was. That was what was so inspiring. Like he just there was no nothing contrived about it. It was just him letting whatever was inside him out and that was it right for me growing up like I always had a lot of energy like I always felt very misunderstood as a kid because because I didn't conform to a box you know I didn't conform to a certain place like or express myself in a different way yeah and it's awesome to be able to go on stage because I'm allowed to let it out and get it out without anyone judging me or looking at me like I'm mental. Yeah. Well, what's incredible, though, is that, like, I mean, the easiest way to say it is you play such a different style of music as The Who does, but it's amazing that you saw that and were inspired by it, and it was, like, so relative to you. Yeah, 100%, man. I just kind of... I don't know. I just... For me, a good performer is a good performer, whether that be Amy Winehouse, or whether that be Freddie Mercury, or whether that be Post Malone, or whether that be... Again, Kurt Cobain, do you know what I mean? Or Dave yeah. Grohl, you know what I mean? Front men are front men and front men and front women. And I just, I don't know, I was just inspired by it. It just kind of drew me in, like. And I think that's kind of very lost right now. Yeah. You know, everything's very safe. There's not a posturing. There's, yeah, there's no, there's no statement. There's no, again, there's no, like, performers out there for me. I think Lord's pretty good right now. She puts on a show. Yeah. But I just like when I want when when people come to my show, I want them to leave exhausted. <laughs> I don't want them to be like, "Oh man, that was sick. Let's go grab some dinner." I want them to be like, "Fuck, I need to go to bed." That's how it felt watching you last night, at Irving. And also, I've I've I recognized this when I was there. I felt very present. I imagine that's something you want people to feel too—to feel very much in the moment. A hundred percent, because at the end of the day, like I try and pick people out. That's what the best. Like I try and because at the end of the day, what's been again, what's been amazing, like people turning up to see me is 
that we're all in this room together and, and the unity of it all is yeah. the most magical part about it. I never want it to be me than the audience. Like, we're all together in this. And I love it when people shout shit out and <laughs> interact because that's just part of my show. Did performing on stage last night live up to the expectation you had of it? 100%. Like, I was on stage, like, I'm playing the Irving fucking Plaza in New York. I packed out Irving Plaza. Yeah, right? which was just crazy. Like, and I released the song, my first song, like, less than a year ago. It's mad, isn't it? It's just crazy. You know, what struck me with your music was how clear it was that you didn't care about rules, about the ideas people had of what makes a song, and especially of the matter of what genre a song is. I found that very striking for your music. Would you say that's fair to say? Yeah, 100%. That's exactly what I want to... That's amazing that you say that, because that's exactly what inspires me. Like, I never want to be genre-defined. You know, I think that's an old way of thinking. Antiquated. Exactly. I yeah. just want to mix things together, because at the end of the day, like... This like generation is so lucky because we can have a playlist with Justin Bieber, Post Malone and Slayer on and throw in a bit of Aretha Franklin if we want. And we have this arrogance about it. It's like, fuck you, I'm going to listen to what I want. And I love that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I think, like, I just don't understand why we can't mix stuff together to create something new. Yeah. It's interesting how there's still people who are, like, within your generation or my generation are still relatively confused about it. Like, people who probably refer to Spotify and go for, like, a playlist that's so heavily curated. But there's something that's kind of, like, weird about that. Like, why does everything have to be in a weird kind of line? Yeah, exactly. That's what I find weird. And, and it's quite funny, like... Because I've got obviously got a guitar in my hand. Like, for me, rock and roll music right now is on life support because it's just four idiots in leather jackets just singing about nothing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I'm so much yeah. more inspired by hip-hop music because it's representing something. Yeah. It's talking about something. It's giving me the same feeling that The Clash gave me or The Sex Pistols gave me. And and it's talk, and it's relating and talking about real stuff, relating to real people. Whereas rock and roll, it's just pretty boys on stage with guitars <laughs> pretending to look like Sid Vicious, singing about <laughs> fucking nothing. And that's what needs to come back. Things need to represent something again in rock and roll music, you know? I would say that's fair to say. You know, when I heard your music, the word euphoria immediately came to mind for me. Uh, what got me was, like, how ferocious the songs were, yet there was, like, a matter of perfectionism almost as well, like, the way things were arranged. When you were recording, did the experience of what that was like, recording music, did that surprise you? Yeah, definitely, because obviously we're doing it in a modern way. Like, it wasn't just let me write the songs, get a band in a studio and do it. I needed it to have this new level, a new shine to it, that's, that's sonically and musically interesting and musically different, because why do I want to do rock and roll in the same way it's been done since the 60s? I don't want to fucking do that, that's boring. Yeah, exactly. I was like, I want to mix things together. I was like, why can't I put 808 basses in with guitar lines and trap? hats and trap things and a string line that I heard and was inspired by a Kanye West track. You know, why can't I do that? Why can I not program the drums on the record? You know what I mean? I think we're stuck in a situation because there's an old cynical mentality going, there's a fucking old bloke in a Def Leppard t-shirt saying, you can't fucking do that. It's <laughs> like, well, that's not the case now. It's a new generation, like, we, we will... I'm just going to make music that I love and, and fucking inspires me and, and try and push boundaries because I was inspired by people who push boundaries. 
You know, that's what's inspired by the most. You know? you know, tell me though, something that I'm really curious about you, especially with like listening to your music and listening to it for a while. I'm so curious to find out what changes for you between writing a song and recording it. What is something that happens in between that process? It doesn't. We we do it as we go along. Really? Yeah. I all the songs that you've done so All far. the songs are written and recorded at the same time. Because for me, it's about inspiration. Because I've got so much energy, it's about my energy. I definitely have a lyric. I always have an idea, and, yeah. I, and I always have that. But at the end of the day, like... If Matty, Matt, Matt, Matty Schwartz, my producer, pulls up a string line that I love, that'll inspire me to run in a different direction that I would have never have thought of going in beforehand. Yeah. You know, I just think it's it's that's what's so integral to why I can mix genres, because while I'm doing a song that sounds like The Clash, I could put a Beastie Boys record on. Yeah. And then when, I'm doing, when I put a bit of Beastie Boys in there, I could listen to... Jesse Reyes and be inspired by something like that. So I just think what's so fresh for me and what's so exciting is we just, it's me basically in a studio shouting at my producer for five hours, <laughs> writing these songs that are, that are obviously about issues. I've got a notebook full of like lyrics yeah. that I just kind of pull out and everything inspires everything, you know? It's important to point out for people listening that something that's really um, interesting is that for a lot of people who write music, that's usually not the way people try to go about it in terms of writing and recording at the same time. With the way you described it now, though, it sounds like for you personally, that's probably the only way you would feel comfortable producing yeah, music. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Beforehand, I didn't. Before, I'd sit down on my guitar and do that, but I just love that anything can happen. It sounds very, like, kinetic, like yeah, the environment. it's electric. It's just fucking electric. As soon as I walk into the studio, it's just like anything can happen now. I'm not limited. I've not just got a guitar. And people might look at me and be like, you got to craft a song, but it's like, no, man. <laughs> I disagree, because it can take me to do twists and turns that have never been done before. Yeah. If I've got a guitar or just a piano, I can be limited. I feel just limited. That's good to hear you say that. I feel like, you know, it's interesting. I feel like maybe that's something you would hear people think but be afraid to say. I feel like that must be a view that's like a lot 100%, more. 100%, but that's, that is exactly it with me. At the end of the day, I'm just saying what I think. Yeah. I'm not trying to tell people what to think because who the fuck am I to do that? I'm just encouraging people to say what they think. Because exactly. in this world, even with social media and everything, everyone is so frightened to say what they think because the whole world is judging them. It's the weirdest thing, isn't it? But if we say what we think, that's how we change things. Exactly. And if, you know. Yeah, I want to go more into your music. The first tune I heard of yours was uh, I Love You, Will You Marry Me? And uh, there's so much heart in that song. And yeah. I wonder, how does it feel knowing that that's the song that usually people hear first? Because when I was talking to some people who are familiar with you, that seemed to be quite the first experience for a lot of people, that song. I love it because it represents exactly what I am. It's talking about a real issue. It's talking about something I think is wrong. But it has this sense of community again this heart from the north and from England that I grew up in but also it's like it's Doncaster yeah? Doncaster yeah. yeah Doncaster but it's just got this fun and fun element to it and that's the thing I needed to mix because I never want to preach to people because soon as people have preached to me my whole life and soon as someone starts preaching to me I just switch off yeah. it's like fuck you I don't want to hear that I'm not interested I just, I don't know, it's, it, I just needed to mix it together, so 
it's when I f- it's like when I first heard London Calling by The Clash. Yeah. It was so political, but it made me want to jump about. Yeah. That's the balance. You know, Clash are one of my favorite bands of all time as well. Uh, Paul Simonon's one of my big, big heroes. He's also an, also an honorary member of the Gorillas. A lot of people forget as well, but that's mm. pretty top of him. And I think what's very um, poignant about the fact of how you bring them up is they're a band that said a lot but never preached, really. Exactly. Oh. That, is the, that is the mix. It's not, I, again, I am not, I don't have the answers. I don't want to tell people what to say or what to think because that is why I write this music because all my life people told me what to think. People robbed my voice. People fucking put blinkers on me so I would see things in a different way. Yeah. You know, I, I grew up in England as well, and it's something that I miss every day because it's very much home to me. But if there's something that I prefer about being here in contrast to there is that it is weird how there's a lot of this, these unspoken rules of how you're meant to think and live your life. Exactly. And it's just very suffocating. Yeah. And right now, man, as a generation, like the world is such a crazy, confusing place for young people, isn't it? Yeah. You know, but we are such a smart generation. We're so clever. You're calling it out, which is amazing. 100%. We are so fucking smart. And we see a future that we want to be a part of. We see a forward-thinking, liberal world that we want to move towards. But it's been held back by a generation that don't necessarily understand us or just aren't quite ready for the world to go to that place yet. Yeah. And for me, that's wrong. You know, one of the most condescending things I find about that, of like how the, the way the older generation holds back, and not just in uh, England and Britain at large, but it's very relevant here in America as well. It's interesting how older people kind of try to say to younger people, like, uh, we know better. But you can't use your experiences to contrast with the way the world's changed. It's exactly. a different world. The, like, at the end of the day, like, why is this still fucking a backwards mentality if I want to marry a bloke? Or if a girl wants to marry a girl? Yeah. Or if I want to abort the kid in my belly because it's going to ruin my future? Or the the uh, 19 years old, it's easier for me to get access to a gun in America than a beer. Yeah. This this world is moving and change is happening. Yeah. Change it needs is to. change is happening, and you can see it with young people. With March 24th, March for Our Lives, things are happening, yeah. and it's exciting. It's brilliant. It's man. incredible because enough of us are going to speak out, and then they can't ignore it. They physically cannot put it in a box. Yeah. We'll definitely touch back on this, but before we do that, I want to like touch more on your music. One of the big things I was really curious about, and I was thinking about this just when I was like outside walking up here to come up and talk to you, after seeing you last night, like, what is it like for you translating your songs into a live setting? I mean, I know that must sound like very obvious, but I mean, what was interesting last night is that they were your songs naturally, but it was so fucking visceral and just loud and like. What is that like to you, bring songs into that place? It's the best thing in the world. It's kind of to be going over, to be going all over the world, to places and playing the music I love and spreading my message is just like the best thing ever. And the connection I feel is incredible when people sing the lyrics back, or yeah. when people speak to me after the show and say, "Your music's providing me with answers." I felt like I had no voice until I listened to this. That just blows my brain to smithereens because that was what I was like. I was listening to Eminem and Alex Turner when I had, when I needed someone to provide me with answers. And to be able to do that for people, it's just fucking crazy. Yeah. And 
And that's it, man. It needs to be loud. It needs to be boisterous so it gets fucking heard. And we can... It needs to make you feel it in your stomach. Yeah. I want people to feel what I feel when I'm on stage, that exhilarating rush of adrenaline and anger and emotion and joy while they're stood watching me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's exciting. You know, some I think that Alex Turner doesn't get enough credit for, like of growing up with Arctic Monkeys and seeing how they've evolved and seeing where they are now. It's interesting, like, how a lot of people look at where they are now with, like, all that bravado and all that money, but, like, it's crazy to think that it all started with just telling about very honest stories from the north that's exactly why i've uh, like why he stepped in step he stepped into my head and i didn't know how he knew what i was thinking when he'd never even met me yeah like the way he would talk about like it's interesting seeing such a because i think i think it's important to point out for people listening at the time of the first arctic monkeys album it was very common for people to just kind of throw away with their britishness and not like Reconcile with it. Or uh, yeah, utilize it was it. very uh, trans- uh, sing transatlantic. Don't don't sing in your accent. Yeah, or don't use phrases or places or yeah, names. Yeah, exactly. He did that, and it's like and it's huge because it because it was real. It came from a real place, and yeah. that's why it got inside my head because that was me at thirteen and an Adidas jacket with my best mate smoking cigarettes outside a corner shop. Do you know what I mean? That yeah. was the north of England, and it got inside my head. And nice reference there. You know. <laughs> Um, you know, I don't ask this as a matter of comparison, but I'm curious because I was wondering when I heard your music for the first time. Are you a bit of a fan of Jamie T? I like Jamie T a lot. Yeah, yeah. man, I think he's really cool. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, man, I like Jamie T. I think he's just got this swagger about him that he talks real shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, Sheila is a great song. Sheila's a great, incredible story. Yeah. You know, and if you got the money, yeah, man, I love it. I love Jamie. And what's really wicked with him, the reason I bring him up, and it's interesting because we're talking about Arctic Monkeys just now briefly, but it's interesting seeing people from like the early, early 2000s into the now and seeing how there's like an arc of uh, career within that. And for you, I mean, yeah, you're starting out and this is like, you know, the early days, but do you see acts and sometimes think, like, not like in terms of comparison, but you're like, man, longevity is something I hope I have a career that lasts. See, that's exactly what I'm here for. I'm not here to be a splash in the pan eyes. You know I mean, I don't want to just have a, a hit single and rush it. So I've said, and I just want to just convert one person at a time and let people discover my music for themselves. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, I have my message, I have my thing, but I'm not going to stop moving. I have what I am, I have what I feel, but I'm not going to stand still. I'm not. I never want my last record, my next record, to sound like my last record. Is there anything about, see, something that intrigues me about the way you say that, especially with the way your music is, is that your music is so intrinsically tied to you and your experience as you as a person. But as time goes on, naturally you'll change as a person, you'll go through different things. 100%. Is there anything about that that, not scares you, but is there anything about that that almost makes you wonder, like, do you ever find yourself thinking, I wonder what it's going to be like a couple years from now? Not really. I'm so kind of living in the present, but I just know, like, life is life and it will throw things my way like it does to every single human being on the planet and I will write about we are all and we things happen to us every day people will be able to relate to what's happening to me when I'm 30 when I'm 30 because that same stuff will have happened to them too we're living in the same world there'll probably be still the same problems so it doesn't scare me, it kind of excites me. Like, yeah. I love being challenged. I love, I don't know, man, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see what comes my way because I just write about life and what's true to me. Yeah. And 
by the time I'm 25, I'll be writing about what's true to me at 25. Yeah. You know? You know, I fucking love the video for Tin Pan Boy. Do you remember what it was like shooting that? Yeah, man, that was a fucking stressful weekend. It was like, because I directed the video myself. You directed that? Yeah, I directed it. That must have been a mad experience. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, I remember the label came over and were like, yeah, we want to do a video for Tin Pan Boy. Can you have it done by Sunday? It was on Thursday. Jesus Christ. And I was like... What is this, uni? Hey? Is this uni? Like, like that oh, sounds like a uni professor. Oh, exactly, yeah. No, yeah. It's like, can it be done by can it be done by Monday? Sunday, Monday? I was like, uh, well, um, okay. Can it be sent to edit on Monday? I'm like, well, fuck. Okay, right, fuck <laughs> it. Plus, I had two shows. I had a show in London on Saturday night and a show in Sheffield on Sunday. No, I had a show in Sheffield on Saturday and a show in London on Sunday. Who did you piss off in the A&R office to make them do oh, this Oh, bro, yeah, but fuck it, I love it, man. I'm just like, you, can you do that? It was, it was more like, it wasn't like you need to do it. It was like, can you do this? So I was like, yeah, I fucking can. Again, I love the challenge. So I was like, I knew what I wanted to do anyway. And I, met, I know an incredible videographer and my whole team, we pulled it together. And it was so DIY. Like, we, got, we were recording without permits. We got kicked off the roof. <laughs> so the next day, I, I, we went back at 6 a.m. before anybody had woken up, got five takes and fucked up before anybody had even come. <laughs> and it was just so, such a, a great experience. I just wanted it to, the, to be this tongue-in-cheek video that's in your face, representative of my slightly psychotic personality, <laughs> and just made you kind of go like, oh, wow, man, there's not been a funny video in a long time. Yeah, that's dead true. I only have a handful of questions left for you, but, you know, thanks for taking the time to of chat. Of course, I appreciate it. absolutely. Yeah, you know, like, something that uh, we talked about your live show, but we talked about, like, how visceral it is and how lived in it is and just, like, how much it grabs and puts you present. But naturally, it takes a while for a live show to become what it is. Like, there's a progression there. And I wonder, when and where was it when you realized what you wanted your live show to be? Like, did you always have this in mind, or...? To be honest, even at 13, man, when I was in a shitty punk band... I was playing Glastonbury in my head. Yeah. You know, I just think, like, I think you can overthink it anyway. It's very overthought. Everything needs to be perfect. I love it when it's not perfect. Like, I remember Jack White said, I play guitar, and I, I've got two steps in the music to get to my Hammond organ, but I'm going to put it three steps away every night. I fucking love that. I lo he's one of my heroes. He's incredible. Yeah. Because that adrenaline and that, oh shit, what will happen tonight is what keeps it fresh. And I think right now, like, of course I had an idea of what I wanted it to be and now it's been facilitated. It's incredible. But I'm just getting started, man. Yeah. You know, watching the way you performed last night with your band, I mean, there was an obvious sense of camaraderie there. Like, what's that like being able to My like, best have friends. That? It was yeah. weird, man. Like, I, I owe everything to them boys, man. Yeah. They were like, they literally worked in a coffee shop while I was writing the music. Fuck the, yeah. You know what I mean? It was like, I didn't want some 50 year old blokes playing on stage with me who I didn't know and hiring hands every time. Or some like 20 year old from Syria or something. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't want some person who came from a uni who was really entitled as fuck. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't want that. It was like, I just wanted, I don't know, I met him in a fucking bar. I met Adam through Jamie, who, Adam knew Mikey from Scotland, and then we all connected together, got in a room and connected like 
fucking super glue. It's yeah. massive when that clicks. Like. And that was it. That's why I don't play with a bass player. Everyone's like, why do you, why do you not play with a bass player? I'm like, wrong dynamic. <laughs> and plus, it's like eight, 808s. And there's so many 808s in my track, so it's like, you'd have to be walking, you'd be standing there like a fucking lemon. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, before I let you go, just one more question. Um, you know, from following you on social media, I could tell that you have this level of self-awareness to how easily it could be for you to be misunderstood. And I find that to be quite powerful. And imagine you do too. Tell me, what do you think it is about owning the fact that you could be misunderstood, like taking that head on? Does that in some way make you feel more comfortable with you being yourself? A hundred percent. I think it kind of, it was, all my life, it was a simmering pot. Because I wouldn't talk about it. You know, I was always very opinionated, but I wouldn't talk about it. Like I felt just that, that feeling of anxiety in my stomach when people misunderstood me. But people misunderstood me because I was opinionated. You know, so it, that was just so confusing. So I moved down from the north at 16 to go to art school. And I was like, this is going to be great. Everyone's going to understand me. They're going to allow me to express myself and do what I want. They were even worse. They were more suffocating. And then I left, kind of started, started doing some session work with producers who were telling me what to be, what to do, what to say, what to look like. Still, the pan was fucking boiling, boiling, bubbling and bubbling. And then Brexit happened. It was my first opportunity to say what I think with my friends and fight for a future that was gonna be mine and what I believed in. And it was the same with Trump over here. Young people turned out in their masses and broke records. Yeah. And we were totally robbed by an older generation. So the pan lid just flew off. And it goes to what Yanis from Fall said at Glastonbury, thank the year of Brexit. Uh power being abused by older people no surprise like people in power exactly and the thing is about that is like at that moment I said I don't care I'm gonna say what I think I'm gonna be what I am I don't care because I was just so angry so it's just like the message for me is like say what you think be fundamentally yourself and if people don't like you for who you are then they're just not meant to be in your life I couldn't say it better myself, young but thanks for trying. No, man. thank you. Thanks yeah. so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it.